Our very special guest today is Donna Lyon. Not only is she an academic and researcher at the University of Melbourne, but she's also the CEO and founder of Left Right Hook, which is a not-for-profit organisation helping victims of abuse. I know this is not our usual topic on My Body Masterclass. However, the impact of trauma on our physical and mental health is significant and one that I'd like to discuss. During this episode, we will be touching on topics of child sexual abuse and suicide. If these are sensitive issues for you, we recommend that you skip this episode. All content on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. None of the content provided is intended to diagnose, treat or relieve any medical health conditions and is not intended as a substitute for advice provided by your physician. You should always consult a healthcare professional before adopting any diet and lifestyle changes. Hi, I'm Donna Aston, and welcome to My Body Masterclass. As a nutritionist for the last 30-odd years, I've had the opportunity to work with some extraordinary health professionals, clients, and colleagues. During this podcast series, I'm going to share with you their experience, as well as mine, help you to sort fact from fiction, and hopefully inspire you to live your best life. My Body Masterclass is like the instruction manual that you didn't receive for your body until now. Donna Lyon, PhD, is an academic and researcher at the University of Melbourne in film producing, as well as the founder and CEO of Left Right Hook, a not-for-profit that combines writing and trauma-informed boxing to assist victim survivors of child sexual abuse and trauma to reclaim their bodies and experiences. Donna has a background in the arts and filmmaking, having produced over 10 short films and has published numerous articles about film archives, writing and boxing. Her myriad of experiences combined with the struggle she's endured facing the effects of being sexually abused as a child has led her to reconstruct her life with creative and body-based practices. Donna is also co-editor of a book, Left Right Hook, Survivor Stories from a Creative Arts Boxing and Writing Project. The producer of an industry-facing feature documentary film, Left Right Hook, premiering at Melbourne International Film Festival in 2024. She is passionate about empowering the lives of other women and survivors who have experienced mental health challenges and abuse through integrated approaches to healing and recovery. So, Donna Lyon, welcome to today's podcast. I'm so excited to have you on board today. I'm excited to be here. Great. Um, When I first met you, which wasn't that long ago, when you walked into my office, I saw this very powerful, strong, intelligent, articulate woman, and you told me your story, and um, it really struck a chord with me, um, as I'm sure it will with many of our listeners. And I think you have such an important message and such an important cause to talk about today. So um, would you like to perhaps start by giving us an idea of where this all started? Yeah, sure. Well, I guess I probably would say that I was quite a high-functioning individual, and I think that strength in some respects, was always within me. I had a very confident exterior 
and probably a pretty rock-solid facade. Mm. And it kind of came crashing down for me uh, probably in my mid-20s. I met a woman at a party. She told me her story and her story was one where she had been uh, sexually abused from a young age. And something in what she said uh, activated memories within me. And I took myself off to the bathroom and I, and I felt the whole room was spinning and it wasn't alcohol. And I thought, oh, my God, something's happened to me. Something really, really bad has happened to me. And I left the party and I cried this deep, guttural cry within me. So I just didn't know where it came from. And I knew that uh, I had been uh, sexually abused as a child. And before this, you had no recollection. I had no recollection. I would have described my uh, childhood as good. Uh, my father was abusive. Um, it was a not a particularly healthy environment, but I didn't have a language for it and I didn't have memory. I had masked that, though. My symptomology probably suggested that I had been abused, but I didn't know, I had no idea what that meant. You know, so from the age of 13, 14, I was taking drugs, drinking, um, depression, suicidal ideation, um, you know, on and on the kind of list goes on. But I also had some really strong coping mechanisms. Um, and it kind of came crashing down from my mid-20s. And I think as I sort of started to, you know, try and be an adult, that's when things, I just felt got harder and I couldn't manage my life. I turned to alcohol in a greater way. I hit my rock bottom in my early 30s. Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't got the right therapy at that point either, um, but I was also in a really heightened state of either a kind of hyperarousal or a hypoarousal, meaning I was in this fight flight um, and, or fear and just shut down. So I'd oscillate between these two states. I couldn't regulate my nervous system. Drinking was the crutch. You know, thankfully I hit that rock bottom in my 30s, early 30s, and that's when I started to kind of, I guess, face the demons of my past. I got good, you know, I got the right therapy as well and I got sober. How does that make you feel? I can't imagine having lived through something and having no recollection consciously of that and then it just comes flooding back to you and what you thought was your life is now something different. It was absolutely shocking. It rocked the core of my existence. I couldn't understand how I could have lived life without not having this kind of memory, this, this understanding. And I guess through doing a lot of work and a lot of therapy, I've realised that, you know, that idea that trauma is stored in the body, we can dissociate uh, memory, um, particularly around abuse. And so it's not uncommon for somebody like me to forget the memory is there, but it's not in that uh, perhaps tangible narrative uh, that that we're used to understanding. And now you're a PhD, you are an academic, you're a film producer, um, you have an incredible charity, um, Left Right Hook. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about, you know, where you left off from in your 30s really struggling to mm. cope and then now where you're at and, and how you got there. 
Thank you, because it's nice to celebrate that. Absolutely. You know, it's been, it was, you know, a good 10 or more years of really hard work, slogging, you know, thinking, am I going to make this? You How know? did you find help? How, if somebody else is in this situation, what do you do? Uh, I just Googled for a therapist and I, I think I trusted my gut and I ended up finding somebody that knew uh, how to work with complex trauma and dissociation. And that probably was the pivotal moment for me, along with obviously reaching out for, you know, I went to 12-step programs for my alcoholism. So I, I think, you know, that, that, that was always within me of going to seek help and find the resourcing. I just needed to be kind of ready to really hear it. Mm. Um, and so I guess part of that, after that kind of, I think, initial, and it was like probably five years of really intense self-internalised uh, focus, I um, had a lot of anger come up. And I wanted to channel that because I actually thought that was really healthy. I'd spent a lot of time in depression. And so, you know, feeling this anger was like, oh, I kind of, you know, I want to do something with this. Mm. And so I found boxing. Mm. And that kind of really catapulted my journey uh, because I went on an amateur fighting journey. I was really, I really sucked. Um, <laughs> and uh, So not just boxing for exercise, but actually... In a ring. Oh, in a ring. And someone actually throwing punches oh, at Oh, yeah. You. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, I, you know, no regrets, but probably wasn't the pathway for me. Uh, I was excelling in lots of other areas, for example, getting the PhD and all those things, but I just wasn't quite the, the competitive fighter that perhaps I, I had hoped for. Um, but after that, I, I realised, look, Boxing, no matter what, it is such an incredible form of exercise. Like it's a whole mind-body interplay. Um, you feel really strong. You're really empowered. And I wanted to work with other women. I wanted to to connect, and I wanted to connect with other women survivors like me. You know, partly I I felt so alone. Yeah. Um. And so. Uh, I set up a project just in a grassroots way at my local uh, boxing gym and because I didn't feel like this great fighter, I didn't have the belts under my name, I thought, well, what can I do that's different? You know, I, I can box, I, I can teach it, but I'm not this great champion fighter. Hmm, well, I've got an arts background. What if we combined storytelling with boxing? And so we sat in the gym for the first hour and we wrote to a prompt about our trauma and shared it in a group setting. And then we learnt the art of boxing as a way to release and channel those emotions. Had you always been into fitness and, and that side of things, into exercise? I had, but not in the way um, that I had when I started boxing. Mm. That was the first time I set goals in my life uh, and I was I, in my mid-30s. And I had a trainer that said to me, you know, what, so what do you want to do? You know, what goal, what are your goals? Oh, uh, I want to eat ice cream. Uh, you know, <laughs> I want to keep fit and eat ice cream. I don't know. And, um, you know, and so actually that boxing journey was fantastic because it was, I was the fittest that I've ever been. You know, I started running. I was training five, six times a week. You know, it was, it was incredibly um, transformational for my mental health as well. Always been a big believer that physical health translates into mental and emotional health yeah. as well. If you feel strong physically, 
I think that yeah. has an enormous impact on on your mental health and resilience yeah, as well. Totally. Yeah. And the research supports that, particularly, you know, boxing, it's incredible research around its impact on people's mental health and wellbeing. Um, but I think, you know, a component that I feel really passionate about is bringing in that kind of artistic side as well. And that's the writing and the boxing. And, you know, it's novel and it's unique. Um, and but it's a chance particularly for women in particular because it's the focus that we're working with at the moment who have been abused. It's a chance to uh, release the shame, to break that silence. Um, we've been sort of taught to, to keep our stories hidden and secret and so I think naming what's going on inside is incredibly empowering too. I remember you saying something about the period of time that it often takes for someone to accept or talk about what's happened to them in something like 20 years? Yes, 20 to 30 years it takes for women to disclose what's happened to them. Isn't that incredible? Incredible. You know, and maybe that will change now with the advent of more people talking um, and spreading awareness. I hope that the research uh, shows that, but it completely destabilises your life. And that's not to say, though, you can't heal. We can heal, and I'm very passionate about advocating for that. I feel like I'm a, a great example of that. Um, I've turned my life around. I've, you know, really taken back my power. Uh, and so I think that survivors are incredibly resilient, um, but I think that we do need to really focus uh, on healing. Just the nature of being a survivor means that you have incredible resilience, probably probably more than you know or People probably have a lot more than they realise. I think so. And I think that's probably the hardest thing for me is to, you know, I mean, you talked about kind of me coming to the room as this strong and confident. Mm. And I think, yes, that's a part of me, but often that isn't a fully integrated part of me. And so I, it still takes time for me to own that strength mm. and to kind of own that power mm. um, that I think is inherent in my story. Mm. Could you tell me a little bit, I was shocked to read about the statistics of the prevalence of sexual abuse in children, um, one in three yep, girls one, one in three under girls. eighteen, yep, and, and one, one in five, in si five, five, six boys. I mean, that's a, I, I just I'm astounded. That it is, is astounded. I don't think it's a well known fact that that is actually the scale of the issue. Yeah, and it's it's extraordinary. Yeah, it is. And I think we will continue to see some alarming research come out. There's a, a national strategy which is focused on child abuse uh, led by the government and uh, I think that will reveal a lot of research in the area because also it's hard to um, quantify because, you know, I've never, I never went to the police. I couldn't. That wasn't really part of my story. So, um, you know, those facts and figures are also based on people that are quantifiably reporting. Mm. Uh, so I do think it's a, a, a dirty, dark secret that exists in our society uh, and I think it's, even though it was very hard for me to, to name it, I think when I did name it I started to heal. I started to break the silence and break the shame that was really ultimately holding me back mm. um, because ultimately it wasn't my fault. I was a victim uh, and now I've, you know, really moved into a space where I'm able to, to, to reclaim that. Yeah. 
And I think, as you said, you know, now there's more talk about it and hopefully programs like yours and the documentary that you have coming up and all the work that you're doing is going to remove some of the stigma around that and make women feel more comfortable to start speaking about it as well. Can yeah. you talk to me a little bit about your your not-for-profit um, program that you have running? Yeah, so I set Left Right Hook up in a grassroots way and in the back of my mind, because I was an academic, I was like, oh, we should do some research about this. You know, is this program actually really improving people's mental health and, and, and physical health? So in 2020, we took it into the research space, but I'm also a filmmaker. Mm. So of course, there was a part of me going, hmm, this would also make a really good film uh, and probably a book where we could put together all the writings. And so that's what we did. We took it into the University of Melbourne research space. We brought on board a psychologist, a gender expert. We measured the program over eight weeks. It demonstrated a reduction in PTSD, depression, stress, and an increase in personal agency, resilience, and belonging. Tick. We published those findings in a journal article. Uh, and then, of course, 2020, we were filming what happened. Well, we went into, you know, the world's longest yeah. lockdown. Mm. Um, and so what that meant, though, was that I continued to work with that group of participants over a year. And we amassed an incredible body of writing. And we uh, put that into a book of survivor stories. And then we continued filming. And so we made a documentary uh, that attracted an incredible amount of support from the industry. We're premiering at the Melbourne International Film Festival in August. As I was shopping that documentary around with the team and we were meeting philanthropy because we were seeking some, some private support, everyone said, oh, that's great, but what are you going to do about the program? Because when people see the documentary, mm -hmm. they're going to want to do that program. Sure. And I'm like, I'm going to set up a program. <laughs> and uh, anyway, after a bit of uh, research, uh, we landed on setting up a charity, a not-for-profit. And uh, we've been running for a year. We're training up lived experience trainers. It's a peer support program, riding, boxing, led by lived experience in a really safe and inclusive environment um, where a bunch of women are coming who often haven't spoken about their abuse uh, other than with their therapist. For the first time, they're sitting in a space with other women like them. It's incredibly transformational. Um, you know, do you do an eight-week program of left, right, hook and, you know, fixed forever? You know, we don't lay claim to things like that. You know, life's work. Um, it's a constant act of, of showing up, I think, and I'm sure you see that in the work you do with your clients. You know, you, you just can't do one thing and, you know, you're fixed. Mm. But um, it, we see incredible uh, results and transformations of women who for the first time are starting to realise, oh, I have this power, I have this resilience, I have this strength and I also really want to make meaning out of my experience. I want to turn that around. Mm. Can you go a little bit more into, um, I'm, I'm really interested in trauma and how that impacts us physically and mentally and obviously you've seen a lot of that with um, with the women that you're working with and obviously with your experience. Mm. Um, so, you know, we we hold trauma differently, I suppose, in our body. Um, is there anything that you've done in your research that you could talk to us about? Yeah, and look, the stats aren't great mm. um, and I think it's always important to, you know, put a caveat that 
uh, of not trying to depress people too much, mm. but the research shows that survivors are more at risk of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, uh, and they have half a life expectancy. Mm. Often that can also be, you know, trauma is that fight or flight, that yeah. high cortisol, yes. high insulin, all of those things are happening. And if we're constantly in fight or flight, that and, and it can happen for many reasons, yeah. but if we're constantly in that fight or flight mode, then our, our cortisol and our insulin are high all the time. And that alone, we know that stress can cause all of those metabolic diseases. So it yeah. absolutely makes sense that it would materialise in that way. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we get a, people coming in with a range of um you know, symptomologies and some of my, that I've talked about, you know, that I've experienced myself from depression to suicidal ideation to, you know, negative thinking. Um, and then on the, the flip side with the, the is a lot of weight. Mm. Um, they're carrying a lot of that weight. You know, I know women who say I put on weight because I don't want to be looked at. I've heard that before. Yeah. So it's an absolute trigger mm. that's rooted in their past. So mm. you can do all the weight programs you want, mm. but if you're not addressing that root cause, yeah. you know, that's a problem. And so, yeah, I think we need to really look at this in a very holistic way. And that's why I'm really passionate about that kind of mind-body approach. But I think anybody working with survivors, it needs to be an integrated and holistic approach um, where the trauma is at the forefront of their recovery. I've had several clients in the past who are carrying a lot of like obese. Yeah. Um, and and it turned out um that they had been abused. And one told me that um when she started to feel healthy and started to lose her weight, she was feeling really good. And then one day she was walking down the street and she felt like she was walking down the street naked mm. because all of these people started looking at her again. Like men, she'd get male attention. And she just put it all back on again yeah. because she was, it was like she was hiding behind the weight and didn't want to be seen. Yeah. And that was a, a really major issue. Oh, totally. And, mm. you know, even though the kind of six-week challenges that you might get where, you know, a woman has to go and then be photographed. Yeah. You know, naked or in their underpants yeah. and bathers or whatever. Mm. Um, you know, that stuff, that's a trigger. Yeah. You know, I know a survivor who recently signed up to do the six-week challenge, you know, really motivated. That happened, couldn't do it. It was a couple of guys filming, you know, doing the, the photos. It's a very safe environment. They weren't doing anything wrong. Mm. But all of that is an absolute trigger. So I think having a really trauma-informed approach where you're able to gently facilitate those conversations, understanding our scope of practice, you know, which is in some respects very limited, but... Uh, really ultimately serves to empower the person and not traumatise them because you're going to lose, you lose clients. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a bit more about the writing because I find that really interesting. I mean, boxing, you know, most people can rationalise that. Yes, I understand it. It's strength and it's, you know, you might be getting out a bit of that aggression that you've got mm. in your body and, you you know, you're getting strong and you're feeling capable. But talk to me about the writing and what that does for people. Yeah, so writing is very well researched. Mm. Uh, it goes back to, uh, look, 60s and there was a great uh, therapist, uh, psychologist, James Pennebaker, that did a lot of therapeutic uh, intervention with writing. 
And, uh, you know, really since then it just has uh, exploded as a way to process emotions and, uh, in a sense, um, narrativize one's experience and put it into a different context. So in our group, we sit around, we have writing prompts, a choice of writing prompts, um, and people write for about 10 minutes, up to 10 minutes, uh, nonstop. Don't, don't stop. If you get stuck, there's a little kind of thing. What are, you, you say, what I really want to say is, what I really want to say is over and over again until something kind of bursts through. The prompts could be anything and everything from my body to what does it mean to take back your power to uh, fighting back means. So they're generative, they're creative, they're hopefully imaginal and expansive, and it'll, but it also we're in a space where there are other survivors. So it's very likely you're going to write about your trauma, hmm. but you don't know what you're going to write as well because it's kind of coming from your unconscious in a sense. Um, so the writing is uh, could be anything from poetry to um, uh, a brain dump to a diary entry, to a letter. It can be kind of anything and everything, but it's often incredibly beautiful and incredibly powerful because it really comes from people's hearts. Mm, amazing. Um, incredible thing for you to have come up with as well. So, you know, absolutely amazing work that you're doing. Thanks. As far as the, the boxing training goes, mm. I, I understand there's, I mean, you can't just walk into a boxing class and be confronted with the regular regime of mm. learning boxing. So, you know, that could be quite frightening for somebody who's been in this situation, I would imagine. So tell me a little bit more about the instructors. You said that they've had the experience themselves and that's translating into, um, you know, being able to work with other women. So could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, we've got a mix of trainers. Mm. So we've got survivors who become boxing coaches mm. And then we have boxing coaches who we train in trauma-informed boxing. Mm. It's completely different. Mm. You know, I'll go to a boxing class this morning. The combinations are, are quite intense. Uh, it's really active, high-paced. In left-right hook, it's really different. Um, we slow things right down. It's really about establishing a mindful connection with the body. Um, the people that come into our program are highly dissociated. They're very disconnected from their bodies. So one, they often won't engage with the high level of complexity that you would see in a normal boxing class. They, they just don't get it. Um, and so what we want is for people to feel really empowered. And so um, the combinations can be a bit more simpler um, but just as effective. Uh, and we're really focusing on getting people into their body through stance, through really locating um, dynamic punch range. Um, we don't introduce pads until about week four of the program simply because it, that can be a massive trigger. Mm. Uh, women in the program will often feel really scared to, well, first of all, punch someone, even if they're hitting a pad, because they don't want to hurt anyone. They're okay. They're okay to be hit but they don't want to do that to someone else um, or they're really tentative on the pads. I know you see that in a normal boxing class, but we spend a lot of time working with the women to, um, I guess, in a sense, get them to see pad holding as this really dynamic and reciprocal uh, way of kind of energy transfer. So it becomes, um, again, very, very empowering in our approach, It's but it's trauma-informed. 
And so are you looking to train more trainers in this? Is this something that you're trying to source? Yeah, we are. We're looking for venues, we're mm. looking for uh, financial support and we're looking for trainers. We're looking for lived experience trainers, so, you know, if anyone, any listener feels compelled, mm. um, but also to boxing trainers that really want to give back mm. and uh, we are looking to reach male survivors as well. So we'll, I, I think really the best trainers that we're looking for are people that uh, are empathetic, and willing to just uh, empower and listen, hmm. uh, not come from a kind of top-down approach. I think there's plenty of trainers out there. Oh, there are. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so with the, with the combination of the two, I'm guessing you find um, both a really good connection, again, with their physical body but also with their emotions from mm. the writing. So that combination would be so therapeutic for... Yeah. Survivor. So the research shows, you know, trauma is stored in the body. Mm. Dealing with it is best done through creative and body-based practices. Mm. And what that does is it regulates the nervous system and that means that when people, you know, they can go and deal with the high stress and that stuff with a therapist mm. and hopefully do that in a more, you know, a deeper way. So we're absolutely seeing that and that's really exciting. Yes, the first hour can be very internal and a little hard, you know, it's quite emotional often. Uh, people are quite flat and exhausted. But once you start putting people into boxing, you know, your heart rate goes up um, and it's uh, usually people walk away sweaty uh, and with a big smile on their face. So, you know, it's certainly not a... Uh, you know, all depressive mm. space. It yeah. actually is fun and it's about cultivating a bit of a childlike energetic play in the room too. And do you have to, you know, if you're somebody who would like to do something like your program but you think, well, I, I can't write or I'm not very fit or I've never done physical exercise or boxing before, um, is this something that they could still participate in? Yeah, welcome to the club. I get yeah. that Yeah, all <laughs> the time. You don't have to be a great writer, you don't have to be a, a great boxer and you don't have to be fit. Mm. You know, we do cater to all levels. I mean, it makes for a diverse teaching um, mm. class for sure, mm. um, but we really welcome uh, people to come into the space and I think people will be quite surprised um, with what they're actually able to do. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit more about your documentary. Oh, so the documentary is coming out in August and I gave a little kind of uh, noise there because I'm in it. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I'm putting myself on the, the front line of, of, of full vulnerability. Mm. Um, but really it explores uh, eight participants, including myself, over a two-year period Originally, it started out being, look, we'll just film a boxing and a writing workshop, but of course, with COVID, what evolved was uh, much more of a kind of artistic journey where people began to share more about their stories, but also um, creatively find ways to reimagine uh, a future for themselves. Mm, incredible. How do people find out more about you and your program? Well, they can go to our website, which is left right hook. And when we say right, we're uh, spelling it W-R-I-T-E. Mm -hmm. uh, so leftrighthook.com and um, they can reach out to me and I would, you know, I'm just really looking to, to build the charity. We're, we're a baby startup. 
we've made some excellent strides, but we're really looking to, uh, yeah, enhance that this year. And we're looking for more boxing coaches that would potentially get involved with the program as well. Yeah, and venues. And venues So as well. really spaces that are light uh, and roomy and have a, and have a community focus mm. um, that would welcome us uh, on weekends. Mm, fantastic. Donna, thank you so much for today. You are so brave and so inspirational and I just think your work is amazing and I have no doubt that the documentary will be a great success. Great. Thanks so much, Donna. Thank you. Thank you.